On today's episode of The Pactum, Mike Grimes is sporting a mohawk, <laughs> and I'm wearing combat boots. Why? Because today's show is called I Fought the Law, and we feel compelled to show just a little respect to The Clash. It's episode 147. It's called I Fought the Law. But before we get into matters of the law and we get too carried away with fighting and law and all that kind of stuff, Mike, a couple announcements to make? Yes, we have our 2023 conference audio sessions available for you to listen to. If you weren't able to be at our Pactum conference, All Things New, in October of 2023, we have those sessions available for you, or maybe you were here with us and you just want to go back and listen and be encouraged again. You can find them on the pactum.org. And on the top, you'll see a link that says resources. It'll drop down and you'll see 2023 conference audio. You can click there, find all seven sessions for you. And we ran some of those as Pactum episodes, yes, we but did. we were getting lonely. We, we just wanted to make sure we got back to Pactum. Right. We wanted recording. to dust all the cobwebs off of all this gear sitting in the posh Pactum studio. Like, yeah, we so we are. So. We are back with you recording. We're recording this right before Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, Mike, so what's the go-to uh, carnivorous menu item? You know, I really – this is I, – I mean, I think there are a lot of people like this. I really don't get into the turkey or the ham or the whatevers. I, I like the sides. I'm a sides guy. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, if I, had to, if I had to pick, though, I like smoked turkey. I'm there. I like smoked yeah. turkey as well. I think right. we're going to smoke some turkey, some two smaller ones. And we're also, speaking of smoking, <coughs> it's kind of getting in my lungs. We're smoking pumpkins and then making smoked pumpkin soup. Really? Kind of weird. Uh-huh. So you just you put the pumpkin hole right in the there, smoker? I guess and... there are cooking pumpkins, but they did not have oh. them at our local grocer oh, no. <laughs> this week. So we're going to have to go somewhere else. You just got to walk but, around yeah. a field somewhere. So and... I'm in charge of the... <coughs> Smoking, smoking. smoking pumpkins is, is kind of an art That's form, interesting. I guess. I've never even it's heard messing that. messing with my lungs. That'll be fun. <laughs> now, the other announcement we have is we our 2024 Pactum Conference yes. details are also available to us. Where can they find out about the 2024 conference almost a year away? Yeah, the 2024 conference. You can find on our website, thepactum.org. And on the top, you're going to find a bar, not resources, but you're going to find a little link that says conference. Imagine that. I can't That's even like, believe it's it. It's very intuitive. I it it like you know, that. kind of makes sense. You want to find out about the conference, you go to our going, website. There's a conference link. <laughs> it's called God's Good Law. We've got David Van Drunen. We've got J.V. Fesco, Mike Abendroth, and myself talking about everything from theonomy yeah. and why it's not a good idea to three <laughs> uses of the law. Uh, it's one of the reasons we want to talk about the law today, actually. Yes. We want to talk about the law because it's on our minds, because we're prepping for the 2024 conference, thinking ahead to October 2024. So it's on our minds, but it's also a big deal because there are so many issues that Christians need to understand, uh, because the Bible says so much about law, but there's also the problem of so many Christians, I'll, I'll include myself, not understanding them right. yeah. for far too long. Yes, that's right. So today we have seven ways that we fight the law, or maybe the seven ways that we end up at odds with the law or are mistaken about the law. Because, the struggle yeah, is real. It's I true. The breaking rocks in the 
hot sun. Man, I can't wait to be a singer someday. <laughs> it's coming soon. Keep trying. It's going to happen. Now, I thought Johnny Cash did a cover of the old song. Okay. I thought the law, but he doesn't. Oh, But right. a whole bunch of other people do covers. So oh, really? The Stray Cats. I've I, heard of the Stray Cats. I, I saw them when I was like in middle school or something. Okay, well. They do a cover. It wasn't that good. Uh, I, the, the, the Dead Kennedys. I do not know the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, probably not promotable on the Pactum. Okay. Um, 80s punk rock. I think the lead singer's name was Jella Barfia. Jella Barfia? (laughs) Is that the real name or a stage name? Probably not. Stage name. They do a cover, and I think he says, uh, I am the law, and I won. And I thought, yeah, kind of sounds interesting. (laughs) All right. So today we've got seven ways, because seven naturally is the number. So seven ways that we fight the law. First one, one way that the law is fought is fighting the law as evangelicals. We're going to sound like Bible bullies when it comes to this one. A little bit. So again, the format is uh, fighting the law, but really what we're getting at is we struggle with understanding the law. There's different ways we struggle to understand the law as Christians, as Bible readers. So we're here to help, but on this one, we might sound like Bible bullies. We might. We might. As evangelicals, oftentimes we are not that biblically literate. I'll put myself at the front of the line and say, uh, when we talk about law, we think somehow it's anything but love, but in actuality, the Bible equates law with love. Sure. Yeah. And so according to Jesus, loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, Luke chapter 10, that's the essence of the law. Uh, And yet so many times evangelicals think that the law is somehow anything but love. Right. Yeah. So I remember riding a bicycle one time because that's what I do. That's what you do. That's one does. And I was in, I was in Florida, maybe taking classes and I'm riding along and I see the church. I don't know what the name of the church was. It was XYZ Baptist church. Let's just say, let's pick on the Baptist. There you go. And, uh, the, the byline, the tagline, the theme, you know, on the side of the building, all fancy looking and big letters, loving God and loving neighbor. Mm. And I thought. You know, it sounds good. I can get behind that. But, you right. know, do you, is, your, is your marketing team really trying to accomplish right. what you're accomplishing? Come to XYZ That's... Baptist Church, Law Church. Law Church, right? I, I would imagine that they weren't trying to communicate. We're the Law Church. Right, yeah. So evangelicals fight the law because they forget that the essence of the law is love. The law is good. We know that. First Timothy 1 says the law is good. Love is good. But let's just not fight this whole thing out of ignorance. Let's be deliberate about what we're doing. Maybe we should name the church Law Church. Maybe so. I, I could do it. Um, <laughs> but it, but only do it if you want to do it. Right, yeah. Do it on purpose. Right, not out not of ignorance. Not by accident. Right, yeah, yeah. And let's get on board with the fact that love is important, love is vital, but... The command to love is not gospel news. It's law news. Uh, it's really good and it's really important. Right, yes. Um, but let's make sure we we know what we're even talking about. Right, yeah. A second way, another way uh, the law is fought is by fighting the law as antinomians. What is an antinomian? antinomian? An antinomian is someone who is attempting to ignore God's law. Right, right. And, and maybe just live however they want to live because they're ignoring God's law. Antinomian, antinamas, uh, anti-law. Yeah. Obviously, this is bad, right? Yeah, that, that sounds pretty bad. Antinomianism yeah. is bad. Uh, everyone is under God's law, and it's perilous to ignore God's law. When we ignore God's law, it leads to feelings of guilt, feelings of pain, hurt. 
anything but human flourishing. I'm reading the new David Van Drunen, Van Drunen book right now, Natural Law, and I like what he says there. Uh, it doesn't sound very David Van Drunen-ish because he's such a, a gentleman. Hmm. Rebelling against reality is quite literally worse than asinine. Can we say asinine on the back? Oh, absolutely. It's not a if bad If David word. Van Drunen can say it, we can it's say it. It's not a bad it. word. <laughs> the point is good, right? To, to ignore the law is to ignore reality. Uh, and to do that is crazy, right? right. You yeah. must be insane. You must be worse than asinine. Yeah. That could That's... maybe go on a shirt. Pot- <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> we'll check with Dave Andrew and see if what he thinks. See if it's copyrighted <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we don't want to be antinomian. If you're antinomian, you're you're not going to be happy. You're not going to feel good. Th- good things are not going to happen. Right, yeah. So... But we fight the law as antinomians because, in one sense, you know, all all as an unbeliever, I certainly was an antinomian. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't break all of the laws, um, but I certainly was a lawbreaker. I knew what God said, and I chose to live otherwise, not according to God's law. I, I ignored God's law. I was anti-law in my behavior and my thinking, uh, as lots of unbelievers are. Thank, mm-hmm. Thankfully, that they're not total antinomians because. Uh, they would wouldn't be alive anymore. Sure, yeah. But there is that kind of antinomianism, and we ex- I guess we expect it of of unbelievers, yeah, right? Right. You expect them to act that way according to their nature to to fight against God's law. But sure. then we get converted, and there's also a I, I hate to say it, Mike, a Christian kind of antinomianism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are those who profess faith in Christ, and they say, "Well, it doesn't matter how you live." I can yeah. live however I want to live. Maybe they say because Christ fulfilled the obligation of the law, which is true. Now we can live however we want to live. That, that, that's not right. That's yeah. not a good look. Um, Jesus thinks you should love God and love neighbor. Uh, and, and you can't. You need him to fulfill the obligation for you. But now if you're a Christian, you have a new relationship to God's law, right? Yeah. Yep. So you have a new relationship to God's law. You're not under condemnation for being a lawbreaker, but Christ has met the obligation. You have a new mediator. Um, you have a perfect mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, I should say. And now his commandments are, are good for you, and they're not burdensome, to quote scripture. Uh, but they're not optional. They're still there. Right. If you want to honor him as the God who he is and the savior that he is, you want to follow him. You want to do the right thing. The Lord Jesus even says, and his apostles say, there's a new law. It's not really a new law. It's the same law to love one another, Hmm. but it's new because you have a new relationship to God and therefore a new relationship to his law. So antinomianism, bad. Don't fight God's law as an antinomian. It's a bad deal. It's not going to be good for you or others. It's not going to be glorifying to Christ. Now, having said all that, sometimes we get accused of being antinomian. Oh yeah, or at least like, you do. Well, I, hey, I've I don't know if I've ever directly, but maybe. <laughs> but yeah, people like to hurl that accusation around, right? They do, and and listeners, you can see Romans chapter six there, and 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 realize that in one sense we want to be accused of an, being antinomians. Sure, in one hi- sense, yeah, you hypothetically, do. yeah, yeah, because we do want people to hear us loud and clear. You are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He did fulfill the law. And so now we say we, we trust in Christ and the work is done. Yeah. And people say, oh, 
but that means you're, uh, you don't have to do anything to please God. Uh, no, it means we don't have to do anything to be saved. And the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ has pleased God, if you will, on our behalf. But now out of gratitude, we want to do the right thing. We are no longer dead in trespasses and sins. We've been given new life in Christ. Right. And so the work of the spirit is working in our lives. And so we're not going to be antinomian. Right. Yeah. But in one sense, I want to be accused of at least the idea. Sure. You want question. people to feel that little tension that like, yeah, I don't know. Is that? Yeah. Because yeah. it's that resting in Christ. And it's kind of ironic that people accuse people like us of being antinomian and, and we're all about the law. We say, no, we need to preach law and gospel. Right. And the law is actually important to be our guide as Christians. Yeah. So kind of, kind of a weird thing. It is. And um, hey, we're going to have a whole conference about God's good it's law. It's true. It's true. So many of these things, we're just, I'm so glad you brought that up. We're just scratching the surface on these things. We're doing a whole conference on it. Yeah. So whatever we get wrong, yep. uh, we're, just, we're flying the experts in. I mean, 11 months from now, all wrongs will be made right. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but we are trying to whet your appetite and uh, trying to kind of get the ball rolling here to talk about these important matters to help you in the meantime. Yeah. But we do want to do a deeper dive when it comes to the conference. For sure. So okay, let's we're do working through one. seven ways that we fight the law. Uh, another way the law is fought is fighting the law as legalists. Hmm. Aren't legalists too into law? Isn't I, that I the would problem? Guess, yeah. I mean, are they into it too much? We oftentimes think that le- the the problem with legalists would be that they're too into the law. And we want to give pushback there. Hopefully you do as well, uh, Pactum listeners. That's actually not the case. Legalists tend to have some sort of standard other than mm. God's perfect, strict requirement of God's perfect, strict law. Hmm. That's why sometimes we call legalists neo-nomians. Neo. Yeah, yeah. New law. Right? New right. law. So it's it, the problem typically with legalism is not they preach God's strict law. You know, you must obey it perfectly, personally, and perpetually to gain acceptance from God. Actually, we would welcome that. That's not called legalism. That's called preaching the law. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, I suppose if you say, and you can do it, and you must do well, it to yeah. be justified, that would be a form of legalism. But it's not the typical kind. Right. And so garden variety kind is, well, you must do these things and it's not God's strict, perfect, absolute law, perfect personal perpetual obedience kind of to his perfect strict law. Legalism tends to say, no, you need to do my version of it yeah, yeah. Uh, or some other version of it. And uh, th- that's not helpful. It's not good. We would want to say on the pactum that the cure to that kind of legalism in one sense, step one is preaching the law. Mm. Yeah. One way to cure legalism, neonomianism, would be to not preach the, the, the lesser law, the humanly contrived law, my version of law, law light, if yeah, you will. Right. Preach the actual undiluted, un, you know, compromised law of God and what that will do according to Romans 10. Yes, yeah. Because that's what was going on in Romans 10. What that will do is cause people to see that they're utterly desperate. Right. That they cannot, there's no possible way they can meet the standard. And that causes us to say, you know, woe is me, yeah. for I am undone. Right. Yeah. And that has us in a good place because then we look outside of ourselves to the law keeper, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous, who who is the one who fulfills the obligation. That's the whole argument of Romans 10. The reason uh, Paul, the, the people who are opposing the gospel is that because they came up with their own version of the law, law light, yeah. and then they could meet the obligation. So who needs a savior? 
Right. Yeah. So let's curb legalism by being stronger law preachers. Sounds that sounds kind of weird, right? <laughs> sounds weird, but it actually is not. Um, oftentimes, legalists want to control people. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. They, here's my list of do's and don'ts. Here's my list of spiritual disciplines, even though they're not in the Bible. And as long as you do all of these kinds of things, then God's going to be happy with you for justification or he's going to be happy with you for sanctification. Yeah. When in reality, we need to hear God's law, know that we can't do it. And then what we end up doing is saying, what can I do to solve this problem? Because I can't meet the obligation. Ah, good question. What you need to do is look to Christ, yeah. and then we preach the gospel to them. So, right. cure to legalism, preaching law, uh, right? Gloves off, yep. And then you preach the gospel, and then people want to obey out of gratitude, right? Not yeah. to gain acceptance, but because Christ has already gained it. Yeah, who makes me want to preach Romans? I tell 10. you, I, I feel it coming. Romans ten is um, an amazing, amazing text. It so. is, really, it is. Another way, if though, we read it right now, this is going to become a two or three parter, though. Well, we 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 could do that, but we'll keep moving. We'll keep pressing. <laughs> okay. All right. Another Mike's way. Mike's giving me the look. He's giving me the Pactum co-host. <laughs> me look. and my mohawk. We've like got to keep time this, to go on. We got to keep it going here. Uh, is that a mohawk or a fauxhawk? A faux. I don't even. <laughs> If you don't know Pactum Verse listeners, I have zero bits of hair on the top of my head. <laughs> I'm imagining a Joe Strummer kind of mohawk. Who? Joe Strummer. Joe Who? Strummer's the lead singer for the for the Clash. Oh, okay, okay. He's dead now. I think okay. he died at 55. I, I touched his. Boot. How do you know? I touched all this? his boot one time. I was in the mosh pit. That's amazing. Right? It was maybe my top concert experience. One of the top concert experience when they they opened with. Uh, they, oh, they opened, of course, with London Calling. And, of course. Uh, naturally. So, so, so cool. <laughs> no, none of this. That was great. Uh, okay. So the law. Uh, another way the law is fought is <laughs> fighting the law as <gasps> dispensationalists. First of oh. all, we have dispensational listeners. We love you because yeah. Jesus loves you. Uh, and But the problem is... Some dispensationalists, let's just put it that way, some dispensationalists probably owe the church an apology for this Mm. because dispensationalism has contributed. I'm not saying you, dear Pactum listener, (laughs) just calm down, but some dispensationalists have contributed to a lot of confusion when it comes to the matter of the law as it relates to the Christian, as it relates to the Bible reader. And I know this is true because I've been there. I have been that person. So as a dispensationalist, I struggled with trying to figure out law. I tried to figure out law because there are seven dispensations. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And so I, and the fifth dispensation is called the dispensation of law. There you go. And, and according to dispensationalism, it's paused um, after Christ comes and then it comes back in the millennium. Mm. And that's confusing enough, but that's not even sure. my point. Sure. So the fifth dispensation is the dispensation of law, and then the sixth dis- dispensation is grace. Grace. That that. See, you're already setting people up to be confused. Right. Yeah. So if you have the dispensation of grace come, that means the dispensation of law is gone. Easy to conclude. The law is the law is gone. Gone. Right. It's, so yeah, done away uh, with. That's what over. I mean by saying certain. None of you listeners certainly. <laughs> <laughs> certain dispensationalists <laughs> of the past, I think, oh, oh, the church an apology because there's been a whole lot of confusion about right. this. Yeah. And thankfully, a lot of dispensationalists today would say, yeah, I can see the point there. And uh, that's why we can be friends. Yeah. Now, another reason why this can be confusing and, and we fight the law as dispensationalists if we happen to be them 
Uh, we also get confused because we say, well, the church isn't Israel. Uh, and I would agree with yep, that. Uh-huh. The church is not Israel. Uh, and then we therefore assume sometimes that the law was only for Israel. Mm. Church is not Israel. The right, law is yeah. gone. No, that's, that's not, that doesn't fly. It doesn't work when you look at the biblical data. So if you are a dispensationalist um, or you know some, and we all do, mm-hmm. you have to remember that there is, there's law before there's law. Yes. So yep. there's not only the law of Moses in the Bible. Right. Uh, there's also the law written on the heart. Romans chapter two is an important text. The law of God is written on the heart. I think it's verse 15 off the top of my head. And it's written on the heart of Gentiles. So there is law before there's Mosaic law because there are Gentiles before right. there are national Jewish people. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, fascinatingly enough, I think we've talked about this before on the pactum, even in Exodus 16. So before we get to the 10 commandments, uh, with Israel, even there's law before there's law. Sure. Yeah. So Exodus 16, 28, uh, the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? But Lord, the law hasn't come yet. Right. I don't have the tablets. Oh, yes, it has. Yes. Because yeah. there's law before there's, there's law. So if you're a dispensationalist, don't be confused about the law and stop confusing people about the law yeah. by thinking there's only Mosaic law. Again, yes. I'm thankful that people I know who are dispensationalists don't make that mistake very often, but they, maybe they can be better missionaries to, to people as they're trying to explain dispensationalism and not say there's a dispensation of law yeah. and there's a dispensation of grace, but then we might not have dispensationalism anymore. Might not. There is that. <laughs> maybe one more since we're talking about this important matter. Sure. Um, speaking of those writers, you know, people like Lewis Berry Chafer, mm, yeah. the founder of Dallas Seminary, uh, I was just reading some of his stuff yesterday on it. In, from his book on grace, it, oh, there's so many things that Chafer says that are really good. And then what he gives with one hand, he takes away with mm. the other. Yeah. It's a classic kind of example of biblicism. So mm. when you throw away any kind of history, confessions before, before you, and you just start over reading the Bible and you try to create your own categories... Yeah. That wheel turns out square more often than not. Hmm. So just in reading it yesterday, it was fascinating to to see that he says the Sermon on the Mount is strictly legal. It's not for today. It's all law. Uh, and hmm. so and then he ends up saying that that, that law obligation uh, cannot be met for you, the believer, through imputed righteousness, which is what we would say, hmm. uh, Christ's righteousness. So there's strict law. You can't do it. It drives you to Christ. And so you trust in Christ because he fulfilled the law. Chafer says, no, that's not how it works. Hmm. It's just a strict law, period. Period. And it's like, it, it's hopeless. Hmm. Uh, and so, and then in the millennial kingdom, according to Chafer, it's going to be back to strict back law. Back to the strict law. Yeah. yeah. It's so confusing. It's so much easier to be a traditional classic reformed Christian Protestant Bible believer, right? <laughs> your your righteousness must must exceed the the, the righteousness of the the scribes and the Pharisees. Right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That's why you look outside of yourself to Christ to fulfill it. Oh man, I'm glad Chafer knows better today. Hmm. But when you read his stuff, it's like so confusing. And so let's keep that in mind. And if you get your dander up because you're a dispensationalist, you say I'm not like Chafer. Awesome. That's good. Glad. Learn from him. Um, But your spiritual heritage from Chafer, it's no wonder people are confused about things like the gospel, confused about Christ, Christ's righteousness imputed. Uh, It's because it's 
tied to founders like like Chafer. Right. Probably yeah. probably well meaning, probably godly. Yep. yep. Uh, but leading to so much confusion. I fought the law as a dispensationalist and I needed non-dispensationalists to help me see clearly so I can read the Bible better. It's not that complicated. It's why we're doing this episode. Right. It's yep. why we're doing a conference. Next one, Mike. Yes. Another way the law is fought is fighting the law as ignorant Protestants. Are you calling me stupid? I'm not. Call, I said ignorant <laughs> Protestants. You can take that for what it is. So, you know, when our kids were little, you know, growing up in, in the life of conservative evangelicalism and lots of parents, you know, even non-Christian parents, you know, you can't say stupid. Don't say stupid. I don't know what that was like growing up in my home. We could, we could say stupid. Maybe my parents called us stupid. <laughs> I don't really know, but stupid was fine. I mean, we couldn't say crap. Uh, uh, my Molly, Molly's We're going to get an explicit rating. They could say crap. We couldn't say crap's like a bad word. <laughs> it like violates my conscience saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can't say stupid. What's up with that? Yeah. Anyhow, uh, uh. What, what I'm getting at is, <laughs> but someone bought my kids a Honda 50 motorcycle, like mm. a dirt bike. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and so it came with a VHS video. And the video was called Stupid Hurts. Ooh. That's, it was awesome. That's awesome. And I loved it because I just wanted to brainwash my kids that it's okay to say, say stupid, even though none of your friends can say it. Right. So Stupid Hurts. But they just talk about all of this <laughs> stuff. You know, if you don't wear a helmet, you right, don't wear yeah. long pants and all this other kind of Safety stuff. Safety stuff. Safety yeah. stuff. Stupid Hurts. Well, um, sometimes Protestants are stupid. Hmm. Ignorant. That's what we're going to say. Ignorant is what we say. <laughs> because we somehow fight the law as in we fight the doctrine of natural law. Mm. Because we think as Protestants that natural law is Roman, Roman Catholic. Catholic. Right. right? Yeah. And so that's what we're getting at with this fifth way that Christians fight the law or people fight the law. We fight the law as ignorant Protestants yeah. because we push back to the doctrine of natural law because somebody somewhere told us that. We, we Protestants don't believe that. We don't believe that. That's, that's Roman Catholic. Come on. Uh, so, newsflash, um, Luther didn't get that memo. Calvin didn't, <laughs> right. Calvin didn't get that memo. Turretin d- didn't get that memo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Up until five minutes ago, uh, Protestants believed in natural, natural law. Natural law, right, yeah. So we need to recover the doctrine of natural law. Maybe a definition of natural law. Yeah, natural law, law would definition be would first. be helpful for our listeners potentially. So this is um, from Dave Andrunen in his helpful book, Natural Law. It says, natural law refers to the law of God made known in the created order, which all human beings know through their physical senses, intellect, and conscience, although they sinfully resist this knowledge to various degrees. Okay, great. With that, we're going to say, based upon what? David Van Drunen, right. take that. Well, <laughs> based upon texts like the one we referred to earlier. Right, Romans, Romans 2.15. Yeah, Romans yeah. 2.15 talks about the law of God written on people's hearts. Those are people who don't have Bibles, the Gentiles. So uh, people are accountable because of natural law. Everyone is. People do have the law. It doesn't mean they don't suppress it in, un- in unrighteousness, but it is there. Yes. Yeah. So we need to have a doctrine of natural law. Because when we don't have a doctrine of natural law, when we miss it, uh, bad things happen. Right. What's yes. going to happen is we're going to forget that God has given so much revelation. He, he's, mm. he's got a two-volume library, if you will, right? Mm. We have special yeah. revelation, which is awesome and amazing and vital. But he also has given us general revelation. And from it, we can't be redeemed, but we can learn 
a whole lot. And yeah. we, it, we're going to end up not giving God credit where credit is due if we think we only have special revelation. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 So natural law is important. Also, another thing that's going to happen if we ignore natural law, we're going to end up being cut off from, from some, a, a vital place of learning. We, we need to learn from natural law. Uh, it is God's world. He made it. He designed it with right. certain orderliness to it. And how do we, how, how do we learn? Well, we study God's creation. We study God's uh, amazing creation, and we learn about natural law from doing that. Right. Yeah. We've re- referenced in previous episodes, learn from the ant. Right. Proverbs even mandates yeah. that we learn from general revelation. Yeah, we learn right. from the ant. Absolutely. Uh, the other, another bad thing that's going to happen if we ignore general revelation, if we're ignorant, let's use that word, not that S word. Yeah, don't say If we're ignorant of general revelation, what's going to end up happening is we're going to pretend like the Bible is the only legitimate source of information. Mm. And let's just pause there for a moment, maybe not literally, but as you're listening today, think about what it's like to think that the Bible has answers to everything that you'd ever have questions about. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's not that's... the Protestant take. That's not the Christian take. Thankfully, nobody actually functions that way that I've ever met. Sure. No. No, no, no. But let's not pretend like the Bible is the only source of legitimate information. There's... Mm. That's why. That's why I go to doctors. Some of them are Christians. Some of them yeah, are not some Christians. Are, yeah, some are. But some of the non-Christians even have been really good at studying God's creation. Yes. and how things yeah. work. Yes. Yeah. I went to a mechanic last week to ask him questions about what car to buy, what car not to buy. He told me what not to buy. That's for sure. And it hurt my feelings because <laughs> I wanted to buy one. And, uh, you know, I didn't find, you know, he, he didn't learn that because he's a Christian from the Bible. Right. Yes. He did it from observing how many cars come in broken down and needing new transmissions and new engines, that kind of stuff, studying the the world around him, if you will. So we want to learn from God's special revelation. Yes. We want to learn from God's general revelation. Yes. Uh, There's a certain way the world works. There's a certain way the world doesn't work. Uh, we need a good category for general revelation. There is legitimate information to be had. Yes. And uh, oftentimes Christians don't realize that, um, and they're cutting themselves off from learning. There is that good article by T. David Gordon yeah. mm-hmm. that is so provocative called The Insufficiency of Scripture. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Wow, right? But yeah. he makes profound points like, why is it that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes unbelievers have better marriages than Christians do? Mm, Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible, how about this? Everything the Bible says about marriage is true. Absolutely. Yes. And the Bible says some really important things about marriage. Yes, it does. Right. Absolutely. But the Bible is not a marriage handbook. Correct. And so you can learn from studying the data and studying what's... Uh, how people interact best and how people don't interact best. And if I'm honest, I've learned some really important things about marriage from the Bible. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of what I've learned about marriage is just talking to my wife. Yes. Yeah. And studying my wife. Yeah. Right. Will. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Paying attention to what makes her happy and what doesn't make me happy. And God created human beings. I'm studying yes. the other volume yes. yeah. to gain important information. Yeah. And I think a lot of Christians need to be nudged, pushed, encouraged to look at both volumes right. to give God glory and also to get the most out of life, right. to be a better spouse, to be yes, a better yes. dad, to be a better yeah. husband. Yeah. Otherwise, we, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Another thing that ends up happening is we expect the pastor to have all the answers to everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible has all the oh, answers yeah. that the pastor needs to have regarding redemption and salvation and the like. 
but the Bible doesn't have the answers to everything in life, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Otherwise, yeah. we make the Bible do things it does it wasn't meant to do. Right, for sure. And all of your questions that you have to follow up, you can <laughs> yes. have answered when you come to the Pactum Conference. There you go. We're going to answer all of them. It's 11 months from now. Write them down, jot them down, and we'll answer them at the conference. <laughs> all right. Another way the law is fought, coming down to our last two here, is that fighting the law as preachers and teachers. We fight the law as preachers and teachers. What in the world do we mean by that? What we mean by that, Mike's like, I don't know. I I don't know. What What we mean by that is if you teach the Bible, you lead a Bible study, you lead devotions in your home, or you are a preacher, uh, we fight the law because as preachers and teachers, if we don't have categories such as three uses of the law, Uh, if we don't have a law gospel kind of paradigm and things like that, we fight the law. We we don't know what to do with it. We are confused. We might be legalistic. We might be antinomian because we don't have proper, mature categories. Mm, So for example, um, if if we're going to avoid biblicism, and biblicism is just going to say, ignore history, ignore the categories afforded to us that Christians have discovered by studying the Bible and creating good, legitimate categories over the centuries, we're just going to say, law, hmm, uh, law and gospel are the same. Uh, what is it? We're going to say, oh, Micah 6, 8, he has told you, oh man, hmm. what is good? What does the Lord require of you? Oh, here, here's the answer. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And mm. we're just going to tell people to do that and everything's going to be you fine. I heard a preacher just yesterday on YouTube say, hey, Dear, dear brethren, the Lord doesn't require much. That's all he requires. Oh. You know, have a nice day. Oh. <laughs> so as preachers and teachers and devotion leaders, even as Bible readers, yeah. we fight the law when we don't have some good and helpful mature categories to maneuver our way through the Bible. Micah yeah. 6, 8 is true. It is true. Micah 6, 8 is not gospel. Micah 6, 8 is law. It's what God requires. Yes. And so how do we approach Micah 6, 8? Well, I'm going to say, because I'm going to borrow from the reformers, I'm going to borrow from mature Christians who've gone before me, and they're going to make observations. They're going to say, you know, the law drives us to Christ. Mm-hmm. It shows us our sin and misery. There's a, there's, sometimes it's called the pedagogical use. Right, yeah. It drives us to Christ. So if I read Micah 6, 8, I say, well, if that's what God requires and he's perfectly just, he has a strict law, he's not a compromising judge, um, Mike, I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, to, to do justice perfectly, right? To love kindness perfectly, to walk humbly with God perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, trouble. I'm in big trouble, right? So I need somebody who does Micah six eight perfectly and yep. who did it perfectly. Christ. It makes me look to Christ. So there's the first use of the law we say in theology, yep. mature theology. There's a second use of the law, which is a civil use. We don't talk about it as much. And then there's the third use, which is sometimes called the normative use. I'm just going to use a different word to help a little bit. It's it's the guiding use. Sure, it's yeah. what guides us as, yeah. as Christians. It leads us. It's the light into our path. Yeah. And I can go right back to Micah 6.8 if I'm in Christ. Yes, in Christ. If yeah. I'm a Christian and say, I, I knew it was true before, but it, it slayed me. Yes. Slayed? Is that the right? Slay. Slew is probably the wrong Slewed word. Slewed me. Slew, slay. <laughs> 
though he sl- it, slay. It, it, it devastated it, yes, me, yeah. right? Now I am in Christ. I'm not afraid of condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. God's law isn't against me. And I can say, all right, I'm going to do the good thing. God's law is good. What does God require? I, I'm in Christ. Uh, mm. I do justice, even though it's not perfect. He accepts it because I'm his child I'm yes. in the family. Yeah. Kindness. I love kindness. I don't do it perfectly, but he accepts it because he accepts me in Christ yes, yeah. to walk humbly. Again, not perfectly, but it's acceptable because of who I am in Christ. Awesome. Yes. And it's going to yeah. help me. It's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for other people. It's going to glorify the Lord. So as Bible teachers, Bible readers, as Christian preachers, yeah. don't fight the law by ignoring these kinds of categories afforded to us. Yes. Super now, helpful. Yep. And people are going to say, well, you're maybe an, an opponent's going to say you're, you're super, you're imposing that on scripture. No, we're learning from mature Christians who've gone before us, who've not treated the, they, they know, and we know the Bible's not alphabet soup. Mm, yeah. And so th- there's a rhyme and a reason, and there's a way to categorize these things because the Bible's not contradictory. And so we end up saying, oh, there are three uses of the law. Hmm. Yeah. Louis Burkhoff says this, the churches of the Reformation from the very beginning distinguish between the law and the gospel as the two parts of the word of God. There is a law and gospel in the Old Testament, and there is law and gospel in the New. He goes on to unpack this. You can find it online. I won't keep going. But it's so good to have a law-gospel distinction. It's so good to have a three uses of the law to help us maneuver through the Bible. I'm not afraid of the law. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not afraid of the, the, the doctrine of, of law because yeah, right, right. I can make my way through Scripture and make some sanctified sense of it. Sure, yeah. And it's not a bunch of gobbledygook or alphabet soup. That's right. All right. We've made it to Be our final aware. and seventh way in which the law is fought by Christians, and it is that, fighting the law as Christians. It's one way we fight the law. Because we're not glorified yet, right? right. We're still, still struggling with sin. Yeah. We're still fighting sin. And so we do fight the law in that sense. Uh, I want to do what's right, but I don't do what's right to the mm-hmm. point yeah. where one day we'll see Christ, the Bible teaches, and we'll be glorified. But in the meantime, we do fight the law. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we know it's best, but we don't do what's best. Yeah, uh, you understand this if you've been a parent. You understand this if you're a human being, right? Yes. Um, I, I, I recommit, and then I fall on my face. We fight the law in that sense. What we want to do today, in wrapping this up, is talk about the fact that there are ways of coping. <laughs> there are coping <laughs> there mechanisms. Are coping mechanisms. Uh, and one one way just to start it would be built into the fiber of the Christian life by the Lord Jesus Christ, the coping mechanism of all coping mechanisms, if you will, would be the church, the gathering of the saints where Mm. you go and you hear the law of God preached. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also hear the gospel of the Lord preached and it helps you. It helps you to see, yes, indeed, you're, you don't live up to the standard, but yes, indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ has lived up, lived up to the standard for you. He loved you, gave himself up for you. And now, you have handed to you, if you will, the law of God now through the perfect mediator, mm, yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. He's Because of faith in him, you are an heir. You're not going to lose your heirship, hmm. Romans yeah. chapter 8. And also, you can't become more of an heir. Right, yes. You are yeah. an, a joint heir with Christ. 
I need to rem- be mm. reminded of that great gospel truth causes me to want to live out of uh, obedience, uh, uh, causes me to want to obey to, out of gratitude yes, yeah. and, and do the right thing. I can't be more justified. Um, I can't be more of an heir. I'm in Christ, mm. but I do want to be reminded of what it means to be in Christ, why I need to be in Christ, and now how to live my life as a life of obedience. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Encouraging. That helps us along the way. For sure. There's lots more to learn, Mike. There I is hope we've tons at least more scratched the surface. It's one of those things where you the more you learn, <laughs> the more you know you don't know. Right. Um but we don't have to live, you know, like we're, we're we don't have um any guidance. We don't have to live a Christian life without any understanding of the law. Hopefully this gives us some good traction. Yep. So we don't have to be fighting the law in all of the wrong senses. Yes. So With that, with lots more to learn, don't forget we have a conference coming up in 2024, October 11th and 12th, 2024. Omaha, Omaha. Nebraska. No football game that weekend. It's a bye. No distractions. But it is Yom Kippur. So there's that. There's that. Thank you for being a part of the Pactumverse. You can find us online on Instagram and Twitter. No, you can't. You can find us on X. On Oh, yeah, on X. Yep. You can also email us connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next week on The Pactum. (laughs) 